listening to the Simply 127 podcast, an entire podcast devoted to all things James 127. I'm your host, Sarah Beth Fintress, and I'm so excited that you've decided to join us today. Hey guys, this is Sarah Beth with the Simply 127 podcast. I'm so excited to have my friend Eleanor Wells with me today. Thanks for coming on the show, Eleanor. So glad to be here. Thank you for asking me. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about the topic, but I also just wanted you to give us a few minutes of a brief introduction, where you live, a little bit about your family, and how you're sitting in this chair with a microphone in front of your yeah. face today. Um, I live in Nashville, Tennessee. I am the mother of two grown sons, uh, the, hus- the wife of uh, a physician here in town, and uh, the grandmother of five wonderful, sweet little grandchildren. (laughs) Perfect grandchildren. Oh, yes, I wish. Um, (laughs) I am a volunteer with an organization called Missions Development International. I've been working with them as a mentor consultant for about three years, and we work with leaders of nonprofit ministries all over the world. Mm -hmm. And I'm also a student at Lipscomb University. I'm in their coaching program to become a personal coach. I will finish that in August of this year. It's never too old to go back to school. That's right. Exactly. (laughs) Well, today we're talking about kind of a hot topic in my world, and that um, would be compassion fatigue. And we were just talking a few minutes ago about um, kind of my journey with that. So Mm -hmm. feel free as as my uh, personal mentor to pitch in any questions that you have about that. Um, I just kind of wanted to share a little bit about the last two years of my life. Um, working with orphan care and just seeing hard things and difficult mm-hmm. places and poverty for it just kind of compounded year after year. And I remember hearing a, a story from one of our local leaders in Kenya that a child had passed away from malnutrition and just this, my an immediate reaction was this um, feeling of, well, that's just what happens when you work with kids in Africa. You're gonna, you've seen kids, you know, I've seen kids pass away and just heard horror stories. And I had just become numb as some kind of defense mechanism mm-hmm. of not feeling the what I knew I should be feeling about this loss of a life. And so that really concerned me. I was kind of heading down this trajectory of what I was, the ministry wasn't fun anymore. Like I'm doing Mm -hmm. things that aren't really life giving to me. And so I went to my dear friend, Google, (laughs) and just started researching some symptoms. And honestly, six years into ministry, I'd never heard of the word compassion fatigue. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like in ministry, we kind of simultaneously work that out with burnout and Mm -hmm. say they're the same thing. So that's kind of the topic for today. It's something I'm personally interested in. And I know you've kind of walked with me through the journey of, I don't guess it's recovery, but just realizing and and coping mechanisms and working towards this, the joy of ministry and re-engaging with that. So yeah. And a compassion fatigue is something I'm very interested in. And, um, with my work with MDI, but it really started even before that. Um, I didn't mention that I am a registered nurse, and as a part of my nursing education and my nursing work, burnout was a topic we talked about a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's very common in the medical world, underpaid, understaffed, overworked, become frustrated, and you burn out. 
And so compassion fatigue was something I hadn't heard of either and was introduced to the idea probably seven or eight years ago. I was volunteering with an organization in Nashville called The Next Door, and The Next Door ministers to women dealing with uh, addiction and co-occurring mental illness. And I was at an in-service. We were talking about trauma-informed care because all of the women that we dealt with had trauma in their background. But the speaker said something that was very key to me, and she said that people that work with people that undergo trauma can have secondary trauma themselves. They can start exhibiting horrific symptoms, and she she used the word compassion fatigue. And I was so struck by that and really kind of started a journey of learning more about it. And then my first client um, with MDI was a leader of a nonprofit who completely had all the symptoms of compassion fatigue, had a very intense ministry, and we witnessed her walk away not only from her ministry but from the Lord. And I just, my heart was just struck that we need to be taking care of people who are taking care of people. Mm -hmm. And that's where my interest started with all of this. That's interesting because we kind of use the word um, simultaneously burnout Mm -hmm. and compassion fatigue. So maybe for, especially particularly in ministry, if you could focus on what are some differences you see, or you even mentioned like symptoms of compassion fatigue between burnout. They can look real similar as far as the symptoms, but burnout really comes from just that frustrated, overworked, I'm done with this. In fact, I read somewhere it said, if you're kind of you don't enjoy your job anymore, you're probably experiencing burnout. Compassion fatigue is different. It comes when um, you just have experience after experience of emotionally draining um, clients and they're looking to you for help and you still love your work, but you just become, you use the word numb. You're just kind of numb to it. Your, your brain kind of shuts down, and you just can't deal with that anymore. That's what compassion fatigue looks like. Mm-hmm. And we, we had just been talking about this a few minutes ago. But I was fascinated with some of the history about like how this term came about and, yeah. and what was going on with, with compassion fatigue. In the compassion fatigue world, Charles Figley is kind of the pioneer. He coined the term, and it came from his work with uh, veterans from the the Vietnam War. And he saw the veterans coming out with PTSD, but what he also saw was the impact of the soldiers on their families. And their families started exhibiting PTSD types of symptoms. And um, they had not experienced the trauma themselves, but because of what their family member had gone through, um, they were having those same symptoms. So he coined the phrase compassion fatigue, which I love because it's they were showing compassion and love for the person they love so dearly dealing with this trauma, but they just wore out. They just couldn't keep doing it. Mm-hmm. I've kind of become an advocate. Obviously, I run in circles with other ministry leaders or um, people who are leading churches, or organizations, and I feel like the the church world has really failed its leaders by 
basically assigning a sabbatical or a time of rest after a moral failure has already happened or after they've already hit a wall and they hate their life and their job, they're losing their family. So I'd love to talk a little bit about um, how can we proactively get ahead of this and what are some ideas or suggestions that you might have for organizational leaders? Yeah, you know, the good news is the treatment's pretty easy and the prevention's even easier. It really comes to taking care of ourselves. Now, those of us in ministry, the thing that we do the worst is take care of ourselves. It's easy on paper, but it's not easy. Exactly, to because we have a heart to want to help others. So it seems selfish when we start taking care of ourselves. But the research just shows time and time again, if you can start taking even baby steps of taking care of yourself, you can prevent burnout and compassion fatigue. Personally, I would love it as if ministries and even other nonprofit organizations that part of their onboarding for new staff was a plan of how are they going to take care of themselves. 90 days in at that 90 day review, there's some accountability. So how does that look? And then on their yearly review, Part of what they're expected to do is take care of themselves. It is a Mm win-win. It's a win for the employee. It's a win for the employer. Because what happens with compassion fatigue, burnout employers? They quit or they're not as productive. You have to hire someone new and start all over. Start all (laughs) over. And that's expensive. So with just putting simple things in place, everybody it's like I said, it's a win-win for everybody. It's exciting to yeah, think about. Yeah, it is. Um, can you talk a little bit about your Luke two fifty two, like those the strategy there yeah. and how that could just yeah. proactively? You know, work? such a simple verse. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Years ago, I just saw four components of how Jesus grew. He grew physically. He grew socially, spiritually, and mentally. To me, it's the perfect framework of how can you set up goals in your own life. What are you doing physically for yourself? Are you exercising? Are you eating well? Socially, are you having fun with your friends? How are you building that into your life? Mentally, are you reading things and and causing yourself to think and fire those neurons and learn new things? And then... Uh, growing spiritually. What does your spiritual life look like? Are you setting aside time with the Lord in prayer and Bible study um, and being in church and all of that? Jesus gave us the perfect example of how he grew and how he was healthy. It provides for us a, a, a strategy of how to do that. Y'all, this topic is so interesting and necessary and not a very popular podcast conversation. I absolutely loved my time with Eleanor. Continue to listen in as she gives us some practical tools, organizational advice, and biblical guidance to have a healthy perspective in this work of caring for the vulnerable. Then I know through our many conversations, a, a term that you don't necessarily love is this idea of work-life balance. Yeah. So talk a little, I feel like that's kind of the band-aid we throw at people who are burning out or yeah. have compassion fatigue. So what is your perspective on work-life balance? Well, I got this great picture recently um, that um, 
when you get your tires balanced on your car, the way you do it is you weight them in different places. And the reason I love that picture is because it's all not balanced the same. There are some times that one area of our life is weighted more than another area of our life, but all together, we, we look balanced. I don't like the term because I think it's an impossible goal to be balanced. The but picture is the scale that's always 100% equally balanced. It, it just doesn't work. Who does yeah, that? Yeah. But maybe it's the four tires on a car where the back right tire is more weighted than the front left tire, but it'll change the next time you balance your tires. So I have to, I look at it over a period of time or even a lifetime of what does the balance look like? Yeah. I think I'm hearing like threads of uh, your next book or your first book. <gasps> Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> um, another component to that is you have to have that built-in accountability. Like yeah. there's a mechanic who's who That's knows right. the tires and where the weight is. And yep. so maybe speak a little bit into the importance of coaching and accountability. You can I, use, you can throw me under the bus if you want to. Yeah. You know, um, because of Sarah Beth and our relationship together, just had the opportunity to help her walk into helping you um, find some balance in your life. And your life had been so involved with just 127. And I think that led to some of that compassion fatigue. But we've said we've seen your countenance change over the eight, last 18 months when you took a sabbatical and you made some time for yourself and you've set some goals this year of really doing a better job of doing that. As a coach, that's what I love. I love to partner with other people to help them set goals. Um, And sometimes it is in the work-life way. Other times it's with different things. But to help people really achieve that and, and prevent burnout, compassion fatigue, or just not liking your life. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say to someone who, let's say Sarah Beth eight years ago, who is ignorance on fire, excited about a dream and just running to, um, you know, can eat, sleep and breathe the work. What are some words of wisdom you would say? You know, I I think um, Jesus gives us the greatest example of that. No one was more passionate about his ministry. He was sent to earth to be Messiah and he was on fire to do that. But we see in scripture time after time, he pulled away. He went to a solitary place. Um, I, I was sharing this verse with you just a few minutes ago, Mark 6, 31 and 32. Then because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat, Jesus said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. I read that and I know there were crowds that came and there were people that have needs. There were healings that could have happened. And Jesus chose to pull away, to eat, to rest, and be in a solitary place. So my, what I would say to a a young Sarah Beth is, thank goodness you have that passion. God has given that to you. I am so excited about what God is doing. Don't forget to take care of yourself because the the cost is too high. Charles Figley says there's a cost to caring, and that's exactly what happens. And I think, you know, you just look at Scripture, and Jesus gave us such beautiful examples of how to 
how to take care of ourselves. I know that you've um, gone through some other programs. Um, we've talked about uh, the Soul Rest book you sent me. Yes. Would there be other, which we can add them to the show notes if there aren't off the top of your head, but just maybe books or websites, any kind of research that you've done that you would push people towards who maybe are realizing just from this, maybe like, okay, maybe compassion fatigue is something I need to look more into. <laughs> you know, I, I think probably one of the best places to go is compassionfatigue.org. It's a great warehouse of resources um, that you can use. There are scales that you can take, tests that you can see where do I fit on a scale between burnout and compassion fatigue and what does that look like? I think that could be very helpful for people. There's also books referenced. There's articles. Um, that's probably where I would start. Okay. So we mentioned maybe someone's listening to this podcast and they've never even heard of the word mm-hmm. compassion fatigue. Um, I shared a little bit about, I spent a few hours on Google researching. So um, can you just kind of give us some symptoms, some maybe thought mm-hmm. processes of someone who might be entering into or full blown yeah. <laughs> into compassion fatigue? Yeah. If you're finding this in yourself, that you're just tired all the time, you have reduced feelings of empathy or sympathy, which is what you had mentioned, Sarah Beth. You're irritable, you're hypersensitive, you're not sleeping well, you're not eating well, um, you, you have trouble making decisions, and your relationships are suffering. Those are red flags, big red flags. And I would say pay attention, notice it in yourself, and catch it. Because, it, like I said, it's easy to treat in that if you just notice this stuff in yourself, you can really look at, well, where do I need to make changes in my life and take better Mm -hmm. care of myself? Push pause. Push (laughs) pause. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show, Eleanor, and thank you for your wisdom. And um, just look forward to hearing how God continues to use you to help people who are suffering with compassion fatigue. Sarah Beth, thank you. This has been a pleasure. Check out our show notes at 127worldwide.org forward slash simply 127 podcast. And tune in next time to learn how others stand to live out James 127 every day.